it took several people coming through the door because I was stuck in, I need another me, I need to clone me. No, I don't need to clone me because yeah. I do what I do and I need someone who's going to be able to step into their zone of genius and do what we need to do for our clients. So I always hire someone who has the skill of copywriting and then I train them on becoming a word stylist. Welcome back to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profits Show. I'm your host, Lamar Tyler. And today, we're going to get into the words of this thing, right? I got one of the best. I got your favorite copywriter's favorite copywriter, April Beverly, CEO, founder of Word Stylist. Oh, Word Stylist. <laughs> I can't, I can't. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate I'm, it. I'm excited to have you here, right? Um, uh, very well known in the copywriting streets, but for people that may not know you, how would you, like when you go up to somebody and they say, what do you do? What do you tell them? I'm the million dollar word stylist. We take dull, boring words and turn them into spine tingling sentences that propel folks without the credit cards and smack the buy button. Mm, so you like said that, that before. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I said you said before. Now, um, for most people, cause maybe people may not know, like copywriting is a thing. Right. Yes. And, and, and you know, what's always interesting to me, a lot of times, um, people that think they can, cause people that can write, but just cause you write doesn't mean you can do copywriting or more so direct response copywriting where you're trying to get someone to take a specific action mm -hmm. and especially to buy something. Is that something you see a lot of times people are like, yeah, I can write, I got books or, uh, I see a lot of journalists a lot of times. Right. Is it like really like a different, totally different skill set, or is it just the same thing, just one lane over? Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a different skill set. So, copywriters are very emotional writers. So we write mm -hmm. to the pain and emotion to our of, of our audiences. Um, it's unlike in a technical writer or a resume writer or even a book writer in that sense because we have to dig into the actual feelings of the audience and mm. use those feelings to transform them into wanting to take an immediate action. So it's definitely different. It's it's almost like difference between hiring a general contractor to build your whole house versus getting an electrician. Like we mm. know that there's certain things that general contractor is not going to be able to do that you need a very specific person to do and a copywriter is like an electrician. And and how long how long have you been running your business? Uh, 11 years. It'll be 12 in September. Wow, you OG out here in these I'm streets, OG. right? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 when you started the business, is that when you started this style of writing or you were already doing it before then? So I've been writing really since I was old enough to pick up a crayon. So I'm gonna say about four or five mm. is when I developed a passion for writing. Copywriting came in after, I'm gonna say after college, cause I was like, I wanted to be a writer, went to journalism school and was like, I can't do these journalism hours. Like I, I'm not cut out for this. So I said, how can I use this skill in another way? And what was it about it that made you feel like you weren't cut out for it? It was the hours. It was the long hours. Like, I was great at interviewing. I was great at asking the right questions and pulling things out of people because I was already a very emotional writer. But the hours, like being in the newsroom, 11 o'clock at night, midnight. You just couldn't do that. Nah, because I was trying to be at the club. You know, I just <laughs> trying to, like, these I'm club, say, I was, I was going to be home, hours. like, you know, uh, <laughs> a journaling or something, right? Exactly. So after college, I got a, a role in PR, mm. and that kind of 
uh, snowballed into the copywriting. After that role, I was probably there for about a year. I got an official copywriter position at a law firm. Nice, nice. So um, you go to school in one direction, you know, something kind of shifts. That law firm, when you start copywriting, what were some of the first initial lessons that you learned? Oh, that one was incredible. First off, let me let me tell you a quick story of how I got yep. hired. So I had gave my writing samples, went in for the interview, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I got it. You know, you know you get a little anxious or whatever. She hired me before I got out the parking lot. Wow. I said, okay. How, how old were you at this time? Oh, uh, gosh. Straight out of college, so probably about 22. 20, okay, she was young, yeah. and they, but they saw something exactly. in you and wanted to jump on top. But I had no copywriting skills. She just saw that I was a very poetic, melodic type of writer. So I wrote in cadence, almost like the, the written version of a rapper, if okay. you will. So um, some of the first things that I learned was there was a there was an older white gentleman who was the head of the copywriting department, which doesn't probably uh, surprise you Not at, at all. all. Okay. So he pulled me aside. He said, I love your writing. You definitely have a skill in this, but I need you to write in a way like you're talking to a friend who has a problem, right? Mm write in a way that you're sitting that person down saying, hey, I know you're going through X, Y, Z, 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 and repeat it so they understand that you know what they're going through, and then offer up a solution. That clicked it for me, because that's how copywriters write. That's how you have to write if you want to move people in a way that gets them to take a specific action. So you're at the law firm. How long were you at the law firm? I was in legal marketing for 10 years. Um, I was probably at that one for wow. about three, another one for a couple years, so. What made you exit out of that room? It was having my son. Mm. So if I, so everyone has these stories, right? I hated my job, da, 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 da. I didn't, I loved my work. <laughs> I absolutely loved my work. I had climbed up the ranks to become a marketing manager, so I loved my work, but it was when I had my son, I couldn't do daycare. Like mm. I was like, I, I can't, I cannot continue to ask another adult for, for permission to be with my child. And that's really what set it off. I was laying with my husband. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. He was like, well, do it for yourself. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like, it was like, I had never even thought of that. But I was like, okay, let's do it. And that's what we did. Awesome. So as you start this, right, because one of the things that always struck, when I first heard about you, one of the things that stood out to me about your company was that you was a black woman doing it. And this wasn't even 11 years ago. So is, is you, I'm seeing more and more sisters move into that space, which mm -hmm. is great. But in relation to the whole market, it still ain't a lot of them, right? No, not So at all. if we go back to when you started doing your thing, back then it had to be even less. Um, what was that like for you? Like, did you realize that, hey, like, it ain't a whole lot of black women out here doing this thing? Oh, let me go back. It ain't a lot of women, period. Right, 11 years ago, better yet, black woman. Mm -hmm. um, did that ever cross your mind? Would that, when it crossed your mind, was that more like, hey, it's my advantage, because I got a whole lane of people that probably would rather hire me than somebody else, or was it, was it something you were afraid of? Like, like, take me back to that time. It was tough starting out, because when I got into the business, I didn't know any other sisters at all who mm -hmm. were doing specifically copywriting. I mean, way back when. You know the the woman who did the KFC commercials, those types of things. But yeah. I had not seen anybody in my era who had who had been doing it who looked like me, and it was tough because the people I was learning from, I mean, they had 
they had great methods. You know, the Dan Kennedy, Gene yeah. Schwartz of the world, right? They had great methods. But it was something I still felt like was missing for us, yeah. right? So that became a, 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 a difficult piece of it, right? But then after I got into it, it just became a situation where I'm like, I have to own it. And mm -hmm. if I need to be one of the ones who is opening the door for others, then so be it. You think that benefited your business? I think it did. I think it did because then I started getting calls from some of the law firms that I had previously worked with, some of the other law firms, they wanted me to write all their diversity copy, right? Mm. So that opened up a, a crazy lane. That's how I actually made my first six figures, writing diversity copy for I don't know how many law firms. When when you switch over into, you know, you're running your own business, you're getting some jobs, in the initial years, what was the hardest part about being an entrepreneur? Turning it off. Mm. I am one of those people who you give me a task, I'm going to go. Like, when y'all asked me to go live, <laughs> it was 11.35 at night. Like, if you give me an assignment, I felt like building this business was my assignment. I had difficulty turning it off to the point where my husband had to come in the office like, we're not going to make it if you continue to be in this office 24-7. Because wow. it was like I would take care of my son, who was a newborn at the time, and then I had nothing left for nothing else Yeah. because I was trying to grow. Yeah. Mm. How'd you overcome that? Setting boundaries. Understanding that just because someone wants me to be available Saturday at 2 p.m. for a phone call, I can say no mm. and still make money and be all right. That's good. You know, one of the things I find a lot of times, especially as a service provider, and especially as your fees and prices start to go up, mm -hmm. if there are people that aren't used to paying certain fees and prices, they think because they pay that fee, they own you. Facts. Or they own all of your, you've seen that before, right? Yes. Like they, they may own you, own all of your time. When not, what you own is these deliverables that I said, you know, <laughs> exactly. I would deliver and I'll make sure like, and that was my job to deliver those things on time. Mm -hmm. But just because it's a higher fee doesn't mean that you can call me 3 a.m. It doesn't mean, you know, you can call me these different, like, like whatever the things may be, right? So you run exactly. into that. Yeah. Mm. And the crazy thing about that was I actually started making more money, getting more clients after setting those boundaries. Really? Yes. Why, why do you think that was? Because now I'm like, I'm not so available. I'm like, okay, I'm only mm. going to meet people Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, right? And then I'm going to work on the other side. So what it did was it gave me space to be more creative. It gave me space to set aside business development days. It made me, it, it gave me space to make sure that I was balancing the other things in my life so I wasn't getting burned out. So that's good because it sounds like to me, the more you structure the business like a business, the more kind of open up the floodgates and, and more revenue, more opportunities, all that stuff is coming in. Yes. Which is because I think a lot of times people think the opposite. The harder I work around the clock, that's what's going to get me more business. But for you, it's just the opposite. Like the mm -hmm. more structure you put in place, which putting the structure in place takes time. Yeah. And that's good. I think a lot of people don't account for, hey, when I'm growing this thing, I need time for business development. I need time to call people, do relationships, and not just be the technician exactly. in whatever I'm doing. Oh, that's good. All right, so we got the business, the business moving. Um, at what point did you feel like I've made it? Like this thing is is going well, this is what I'm continuing to do, or was it always like that from the beginning? Or in the beginning when you starting out like, hey, I'm doing it, but you know, I'm still got like a little bit of fear about how this thing gonna work out. So I think there were phases. So when I first started my business, all I wanted to do was make enough to make my car payment. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh snap, car payment, man. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> so there were definitely phases. It was, it was, it was the money phase, and then it was the okay, let me get this number of clients. Mm. But 
the thing that really clicked off for me was when I retired from writing a couple years ago, hired a full team. That just, that changed the game for me. How did, how did it change the game? It changed the game because now I'm no longer the person in it every day. Like, I have people coming up to me like, oh my God, I love my copy. And I don't even know who they are. Which, mm. you know, it's, it's kind of two-sided. It's like I was so used to knowing every single client we worked with yeah. to and now. And probably intimately because you're writing, their, you're exactly. writing as them in their voice. So it's not even like, hey, they're just my client. It's yeah. like, I know I got inside of their head and did those things. Exactly. Right? But now it's like, thank you so much. I appreciate <laughs> you. Can you tell me your name again? <laughs> so that was the that was the shift. And, and sometimes it's still hard because I'm like, I almost feel obligated to know all my clients, but it's it's impossible at this point. What was that? I want to go into that shift for you. That shift from being April the copywriter to more April the CEO mm -hmm. and building that team. Um, was building out the team hard? Because you do something that's like this very specific task, right? Where I can mm -hmm. see, you know, part of it being um, getting people to actually, A, have the skill set yes. to do it, right? But then this is still your baby. Yes. And and people know your work. They know you for your work, right? So exactly. they're hiring, especially in those initial phases. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, even the company, yeah, it's like April's company, but they're really coming to you because like, hey, I want to hire April because I've heard all these things about April before mm -hmm. they really realize that the team is growing out. Like, what, what was yeah. that time like? Um, so the hiring, I had to, I had to stop saying, I wish I could find another April. Mm. Because when I first started hiring, I was like, oh, I need another April. No, April does April. I need someone who's going to do them, and I can train them how to do what we need for our clients. Once I shifted that mindset, it became easy. But it took several people coming through the door because I was stuck in, I need another me. I need to clone me. No, I don't need to clone me because yeah. I do what I do, and I need someone who's going to be able to step into their zone of genius and do what we need to do for our clients. So I always hire someone who has the skill of copywriting and then I train them on becoming a word stylist. You know, that's good because I think a lot of times, um, that's what a lot of us think initially, right? Like I, if I just duplicate myself, mm -hmm. I can do this, this and that. But what I, even what I realize is that I don't want to duplicate me, I want to find people better than me. That part. Because oftentimes too, as a CEO, you kind of, multifaceted, right? Like mm -hmm. most of us see all the, like they're good at a thing, but then they're good at like this other range of things, which allows them to build the business. Yep. But I got to a point where I said, all right, you know, I don't want somebody that's like me doing all the things. I just want to find people specialists in each one of the things I do. Exactly. So that they can be better, right? Because if they, if, if I got to do eight things, but they're specialists in one, they can exceed me and be way mm -hmm. better at the stuff, which will make us a way better organization. If then you got these specialist roles, right, to do different things. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you saw that because I think a lot of CEOs get caught in, like you said, in that, hey, I'm going to duplicate myself. Mm -hmm. And then just lead to a path of frustration. Exactly. Then lead to a path of, you know, a path of um, could be great people, but them not meeting your expectations around what it is because the way you compare them to what mm -hmm. you did or how you do it. Ooh, that's good. All right. So you start bringing them in. Um, I want to ask you specifically with, with, you, with what you do. Mm -hmm. As you bring in and build that team up, what is it like? Because I would imagine, are you um, afraid as you're building that team that, hey, so many people may try to take my clients. Because uh, <laughs> I'm going to train them up, right? They got some skill set. I'm going to train them my way. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting in front of people that need, you know, that need this kind of work that they do. Mm -hmm. Was that ever thing across cross your mind? So, I actually have a situation that happened, and we can go into that a little bit. But 
from the legal side of things, like the fear is always going to be there, right? Yeah. But then when you think from a business perspective, you make sure you cover yourself from a legal perspective. So all my employees sign non-disclosure agreements. Obviously, they sign non-compete, yeah. non-solicitations, right? Um, once those things are in place, then I have the choice to pursue any wrongdoing at that time. So we actually had an employee, and I'm not going to go too deep into it, but we had an employee who kind of attempted to do the same thing. And I'm kind of at that place in my business where I'm just going to call my I'm just gonna call my lawyer. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the end of it. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to stump my feet. I'm not going to stalk them on social media. I'm just going to call my lawyer. That's where I am. And, and that, you know, that requires maturity and growth. So. Mm -hmm. that, you know, that e even uh, I like how you talk about that. I always say, like, one of the great things about um, leadership is not just what happens in the good times, but happens when you challenge. And mm -hmm. I think one of the things that people don't get is that as you grow a company, you become a CEO. One of the things that you, you legally, right, shouldn't be doing from an HR perspective is going back and forth and posting stuff online or whatever like Facts. that. Uh, so, but but even that leaves a vacuum, right? Because it's, it's like that's a part of of leadership building a team. Most people don't know and don't talk mm -hmm. about, right? Because while the other person's out telling their side of the story, a lot of times you can't, or a lot of times you got like legal or HR somebody in the background doing it, um, because it may not be to your best advantage to be online on Facebook, on TikTok, on Instagram, right? <laughs> trying to get them back. But like you said, that's like a level of maturity and growth mm -hmm. um, that you kind of go through and as you ascend to as you kind of build this thing out. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. As we build these businesses, I think what most people don't realize in the beginning is how much it builds you. That's so true. That's so true. Because uh, <laughs> old April would have been like, okay, putting on the Tim's, like, let's go. <laughs> I love it. So as you're, let me ask you about this too, during this transition, how are the clients relating to you? As you say, like, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. Or I'm doing less of it. And it's mm -hmm. going to be now my team. Because when people come in, it just, it, you know, now I hear a lot of people that use your business and they talk about, hey, I use April's team, mm -hmm. right? I, I use like her company. But I'm sure when you're first making that transition, people are still coming to you because now I want to use April. Yeah. For the, and I know somebody's watching uh, that has some type of business that's maybe service based or maybe they're creative and they say, how do I make that jump from me to the team? During that time when people were coming to you saying, no, I don't want the team, I want you, what were you saying? What was that conversation like? Um, so early on, it was, a, it was a major shift for my audience, just to be you know, completely mm -hmm. frank. It was a, it was a major shift because they wanted me, and here I am building this agency that does not include me. Um, so some folks had, you know, an, an issue with it. No, 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 I want to work with you. Or they're trying to go around the team and email me directly. <laughs> <laughs> email me directly. But... I had to show them that I had more faith in my team mm -hmm. because I was too busy to give them the time and attention that their project needed. So once I did that by showing them that I had the utmost faith in my team, then that's when everybody came on board. But if I would have been out here like, nah, I mean, I'm better than my team, but you going on to the agency, then that would have kept that shift of them not wanting to work with them. But because I often broadcast the, t the things that my team did, often said, nah, nah, nah. April didn't have anything to do with that. That was my team. Mm -hmm. So over time, they started being like, okay, this team is dope. I can work with them because April supports them. She rallies behind them, and I can too. I, I love that. I, and I think that piece you said, right, it's all about um, when people try to cut around them, 
like pushing it right back to them, mm -hmm. right? Like lifting them up, edifying them, pushing it right back to them. I remember we had a conference and a woman came to me going around one of our leaders. And my first question was, well, what did he say? <laughs> what he said is this is what I do. Okay, whatever he said. Because for one, your leaders a lot of time with your team, like they're the ones in the weeds of all of the things. Exactly. So I don't even know, like, you know, I can't, I can't even like dive into the middle of a conversation because they were in the weeds of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I had to have a conversation that, hey, well, he knows all of the things and all the pieces. Yep. So based on what he said, I'm going to get behind him on what he said. Because mm -hmm. also what I'm not going to do is undercut Precisely. them and then have you, because like once you do that, right, that's slippery slope where every time they're coming to you now, exactly. every time somebody says something that they don't like or they don't agree with to do it. Mm -hmm. So I love it. I commend you with that. So then I'm assuming over time, as people get used to this and as the brand becomes more known as April's company and team, not just April, mm -hmm. then, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, are you, some people getting on board, some people saying those not for me and still looking for somebody to work directly with, and then new people not even knowing the difference? Is like that how it normally works? Or? Yeah, that's just how it works. Uh, <laughs> new people not even knowing the difference. A lot of people may have left and came back like, okay, I heard your team was dope. Let me go ahead and <laughs> let me go ahead and jump in. So that's really how it's working because I don't even, like I said, I don't put myself out there as the copywriter of Words Dallas. So new people would not even know that I used to write. I love it. So um, let's dive into now, like on the other end for people watching. Mm -hmm. um, if they're saying, okay, I want to, uh, and I'm talking, well, I'm talking about hiring a copywriter in a minute. I want to talk about they saying, hey, I'm, I'm starting to write my own copy. Mm -hmm. or I'm doing something, right? Like, what are the, like, initial things that they should sit down and know before they try to write um, something persuasive for their audience? Number one is knowing specifically who your audience is. And that's not, I work with business owners or I work with uh, service providers. You got to intimately know who the decision maker is, that person who's going to be, uh, making the decision to work with you, that's who you have to direct their copy to. I actually just had this conversation with a client yesterday. When I got on the call, she was like, why are you here? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, because I'm training my team and I wanted to explain something to you. So target audience is so critical. And a lot of people don't go deep enough mm -hmm. into that person that they're talking to. So that's first and foremost. And if you don't know who it is, then you need to talk to your people. A lot of folks want to skip that step. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, It's they, not sexy. Right, exactly. So they found this thing like, oh, I have to create my client avatar. And then they created in their head like, bro, you didn't even talk to nobody. <laughs> you don't even understand who wants yeah. your products and services. So that's first and foremost, knowing exactly who your target audience is. And a lot of folks will talk about features and benefits, you know, the normal right. stuff. Maybe dive into desire, maybe hit a couple pain points. But the thing that a lot of people miss is what I call the promised land. Like you tell people what they're getting, the benefits of what they're getting, why they need it, but you don't show them the other side after they purchase. Mm. That's the piece that makes people jump off the fence. They want to know like, okay, after I invest in this, what could my life potentially look like? A lot of people don't map that part of the story out, but it's critical to getting folks to make a decision right now. What about for the person that's watching that says, this is great, but I, I just don't have anybody yet, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have... Uh, customers ought to have an audience like where should they be where do they begin kind of crafting out who they speak to they can go look at if they have a competitor who's similar to them mm -hmm. then they can look at their audience they can go to 
even if they know a little bit about their audience. So let's say they know books that their audience may read. Go to Amazon reviews or if they know their topic. Go to Amazon reviews. Like those people on Amazon reviews, they tell all oh, their business. <laughs> so if you just read through the Amazon reviews, you'll be like, okay, pain point. Okay, pain point. Okay, this is what they're looking for. Desire, desire, desire. And you'll be able to craft something. I mean, every human person has a core set of desires. So if you don't know anything, the mere fact that you're promoting to humans, hopefully, then you will at least have some idea of what people want. They want to save money. They want to make money. Like I talk about this in my book, but there's a list of core desires that every human wants. Mm -hmm. Pick one of those and start from there. Okay. All right. So I got my, um, you know, person. I know who they're talking to. I, I got it out of my head. I wrote it down and I got, you know, clarity around what I should do. Do you do you think that everyone can write copy? I think everybody has the ability to follow the framework of writing copy. Yes, I do. Because copy is not starting with a blank page. Mm -hmm. It's filling in the blanks of a framework. Your headline, your pain story, your promise statement, your offer, your, you know, closing, your call to action. Like you're filling in those blanks. So, yes, I believe everyone has the ability to follow the instructions of filling in the blanks. With the proper framework. With the proper framework. I love it. So I got my avatar, right, who I'm talking to. I got my framework. Um, what should I be doing next? You should, you should write. So the thing to focus on is the pain points first. Mm -hmm. Focus on the pain points. Um, I always tell new copywriters or new folks who are trying to write their own copy to make a tea table, right? Every pain should match up with a benefit or every feature should match up with a benefit. So if you have features on the left side that don't match up with a benefit, that feature is not important enough to be sold. Mm. And then you go with the pain points as well. Does the pain match up with the benefit? If not, then you're not, you're either not digging deep enough or you're trying to put too many unnecessary things on the page. So you need to have an outline of your features, benefits, pain, desires, and the solution. Awesome. So really, again, it sounds like research, right? Yes. Annoying. Uh, which sounds, like you said, like step one, you got to know who you're talking to. Because mm -hmm. if I don't know who I'm talking to, I can't figure out what the pain points are, what they're going through, how they're dealing with it, and how my product or service even matches up with it. Exactly. Mm, I love it. So um, as we get deeper, right, we're going into it, and we got clarity around all this stuff, and they're sending it. Are we using similar types of, content just shortened for SMS and text messages? Yes. You know what I mean? Like I can take, take you know, I, I you know, create uh, some copy that I have and I'm gonna send it out via email or whatever and I'm pushing these pain points and I'm just condensing that down for SMS or am I trying to make a whole different type of message? So you are condensing it, condensing it down for SMS but the difference between SMS is you are now entering into someone's personal space really, mm. because their phone is like their personal space. It's what they have with them all the time. Most people have email on their phones, but most of us see email as a place to get business information or information from vendors, right? Most of us are, while businesses do, eat, do, do send text messages, it's still considered as our personal space, right? It's like you're being spammed. I feel like, like when I get business, <laughs> I feel like they spam, especially, you know, if, if I didn't like wholeheartedly like, hey, I'm opting in because I want this stuff, mm -hmm. And I'm just like getting ran. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they spam me. So I feel like the difference between email and SMS is you want to be even more personable and relatable. Okay. Right. So in that SMS, it's not just hey, sale coming now, fifteen percent off. Use the, use the coupon code like retailers do that, right? Mm -hmm. 
but small business owners, service providers, things of that nature, we don't want to roll up in the inbox. We don't want to roll up in the message like that. We want to say, we want to be relatable. Like, hey, you could use their first name, kind of talk about um, what you're going into, but not in a salesy perspective. Like, does that make sense to yeah, you? Yeah, so like, I'm, like I'm, if for what it sounds like to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, I want to approach that SMS as if I'm actually texting a friend. That part, going back to the original thing that the individual that your at very the first law firm. Copy, yes, <laughs> copy job. yes, But even more so. Yes. Uh, and, and I'm assuming that means, am I in SMS less formal? Yes, less okay. formal. Um, you more can conversational. Conversational, SMS acronyms. That would make sense for SMS. Um, and not only sending messages when you got a promotion. Mm. Saying, mm -hmm. hey, I just wrote this new blog post. I think you should really check it out. Or, hey, um, I'm thinking about doing X, Y, Z, Z, Z. What do you think about it? Things like that where you're having a conversation with, per again, that friendly thing where you're just not sending out promotions. You know, and I think you probably just freed somebody because I could easily see somebody saying, well, well SMS is so personal. I don't want to send them too many messages. But that also puts them in a the spot where they only send the promotional messages. Right. Right? Because they get into that thing of, of, of too many. Do, do you ever have clients? I'm assuming sometimes you, at some point you had a client that say, hey, you know what? I don't want to send too much. Too much email, too much SMS. Like, what do you say when something like that comes up? <laughs> Give me the real I, reason. I feel like yeah, I feel like you got like a, a, a real way you say it by the way you just laughed. I, I actually be very blunt with people. Like, you can't be so audacious to believe that somebody, every time you send an email, that somebody reading it. Mm. They're like, oh, my God, email number one. Oh, my God, email number two. Oh, my God, email number three. That is audacity. Because the reason why we send so many emails is to remind people and to reinforce what we have going on. But you may only read emails one, six, seven, nine, and ten. Mm. Because, again, no one has, most people don't have time to read every single thing you send. I, I love, that's a great reminder. I, I was talking to a, a TSP Mastermind member yesterday, and um, they create, like, amazing posts on social media. Mm -hmm. Like, transparent, like, everything you're talking about, transparent, very personable, you know, speaking right to their person. But in a conversation I was having with them yesterday, they were saying, well, I'm terrible at email, and I never send them out, and I don't know what to write. And I was like, well, you know that same stuff you're putting on, like, those short stories that you're putting on, on Facebook can literally just go in your email, too, and it was that thinking that you just said. I said, you know that your email list does not see your Facebook post. Right. And even more, like, probably less people see your Facebook post than actually open up your emails. Like, you know, because Facebook, you know, the algorithm just ain't working that way. Exactly. So I was like, you're making this great content over here, but over here you're like, well, I don't know what to send to people, or I'm not being consistent enough with it, but you're doing the work, you're just not spreading it around. Mm hmm Oh, I like that. Yeah, we, we often would get on our heads like, oh, they're going to read our email. They're going <laughs> to hop over to text messages we send it. They're going to go to social media and read all of our posts. It just don't work like that. Mm. So about that, it, it really sounds like, too, it's about volume mm -hmm. and just getting it in front of them enough times so they actually do open up enough of them to get the message and then move into what they want. Exactly. I, I want to ask you a personal question, um, something always uh, I'm going back and forth with. Inside of copy, when we're selling something, um, is there like a balance between directly selling it to them and storytelling? Because there, there are times when we've, um, you know, created a copy mm -hmm. and, you know, I love a good story, 
But I'm like, these people need to know we selling something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like, you know, sometimes it could be like so much story. It's mm-hmm. like they don't know that this thing actually just launched and, you know, it's for sale. Um, like how do you how do you layer that in between, right? But but a great story sells too. So is, is there like some type of balance you use with, with, with your team? So everything, stories sell, but everything should not be a story, mm. right? Hello. So you want to make sure that you are setting the frame setting the foundation with the story so it's like someone kind of like following along right so even if i read email one or i don't read email one where all the backstory is email three may have a little less of the story but more to sell okay. email five may be like yo did you check out emails four because that's where i told all the background but if you didn't i'm gonna give you the nuts and bolts this is what I'm selling. It's a mass class on da 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 right? Yeah. And then email seven and eight may give a little bit more of the story. Email nine may just be like, so you want to flow it out to where you're giving a story, but then you're dropping nuggets of the story with the sale being. Sometimes the sale is first and foremost. Sometimes the, the story is first and foremost, and you're mm-hmm. rotating them. I love it. What, so what about for the person that's watching and says, hey, you know what? This has been an amazing conversation, but I need to hire somebody else to do it, right? And I know they should hire your firm. But when, they, when they're looking for a company like yours, like what are the things they're actually looking for? They want to make sure that they're looking for someone who, one, knows how to ask the right questions. A great copywriter is going to be able to ask the right questions to get to the information that they need. Mm. So they should be definitely asking you about your target audience. They should definitely be asking about the nuts and bolts of your offer, asking about your promise, right? So making sure that this person asks the right questions has a background of results. Now, there's nothing wrong with hiring a new copywriter, right? And they may not have a great deal of actual money from earned from their from their writing, right? But you have to ask the question for at least some samples or some type of results to let you know that this is not just a resume writer saying, hey, I can write copy. You right. know, because they're they're they are two different areas of expertise. Mm, very good, very good. And then other than that, they just hire your agency. Yeah, I mean, they should just come to Words Dollars because <laughs> ain't nobody better. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, so you mentioned your book real quick. Can you tell them about the book. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a book. Gosh, it's probably been a few years ago. It's probably time to write a new book. But it's called Shots Fired: How to Write Copy That Pierces Hearts and Opens Wallets. And I go into details where I give examples of copywriting. I talk about those core desires. I talk about how to zero in on your target audience, all the things that you need to know to either be able to write your own copy or educate yourself enough so when you go to hire a copywriter, you're not in the dark and getting, you know, because social media can sometimes run folks over with uh, people saying that they are who they really are not. I love it. Well, you told it. All right, so if you're watching, I want to make sure you go out, uh, get a copy of the book, right? Sounds like you'll get a lot of the information that you need, weren't able to go to in this episode. In addition, if you're looking for a company, make sure you hit up Word Stylist. I'm letting you know now, you will not be working directly with April, most likely, <laughs> but she has an amazing team that you can get a hold of. Um, how can they find you? You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at BAAB Writing. That's at BAAB Writing. And, of course, check out the agency at stylemywords.co, stylemywords.co. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right. And don't forget, we'll see you next week on another episode to bring more experts in to help you build your business, build your brand, build your wealth, and everything you need in order to be successful. This is another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show.
The Combo, your home for conversations on black entrepreneurship and wealth. Available on your favorite platforms.